Welcome to So Tell Me More, a podcast where you can join Pravnur and Navya, two psychotherapy students, as they dive into various topics through a psychotherapy lens. This podcast will get you thinking and reflecting on all things mental health, ranging from self-care to learning more about what exactly cognitive behavioral therapy is. We hope you stick around. In today's episode, we are really excited to talk about the show Bridgerton, and in particular, the second season. We're going to talk about different themes that we noticed, and also a little bit more about the main character, Anthony Bridgerton, or the eldest son of the family. So to give our listeners a little bit of a context as to what Bridgerton is, it's essentially this show that is based off the Bridgerton book series written by Julia Quinn. They are set against the backdrop of the Regency era and follow the stories of the eight close-knit siblings of the powerful and wealthy Bridgerton family. Now, each book follows the storyline of a different Bridgerton member as they navigate London's high society in search of love and happiness, surrounded by friends and rivals alike. Now, the show follows the book series, but also has some unique features such as a diverse cast, detailed involvement of this gossip columnist, Lady Whistledown, and small stories within each season of other siblings and families of the ton, as they like to say. There are currently two seasons out, of which the first followed the love story of Daphne Bridgerton, and the second season follows the storyline of the eldest Bridgerton son, Anthony Bridgerton. So I guess, Navia, to start us off, what were your impressions of the show? I love this show (laughs) so much. Can't even explain it. I saw the first season right when it came out, saw the second season multiple times right when it came out, and... I think something about the era where it's set, all the characters are so unique and interesting and it's such an engaging show. I really do enjoy the storylines, how complex it is, and I particularly liked season two. So I'm very excited to talk about this one, especially in the context of psychology, mental health, all of that. But what about for you, Prabner? What are your impressions of the show? Yeah, I love the show as well. I think season one came out, was it like in the midst of COVID, lockdown, all that oh, yeah. stuff? Mm-hmm. So I remember being at home, turning the TV on and seeing this craze for Bridgerton and everyone was talking about it. it was like the top 10 on Netflix so I'm like okay let's give this a shot and I tried it I remember I ended up watching it with one of my really good friends and we were hooked we binge watched that show telling ourselves no no no, we're gonna take it slow and then we binge watched it again after we finished it it was just so (laughs) captivating and I think it was the impeccable work that the writers and the directors did in terms of the cast the costumes the Mm storyline it was just so engaging and I agree the second season was that much more exciting I remember we said you know we're not going to binge watch it but the weekend it came out it came out on a Friday by Sunday (laughs) it was all done we had already finished the show and we're like well what do we do with the rest of our lives now there's this Bridgerton hole Uh, in our heart (laughs) oh my gosh exactly right it just it transforms you into this different world and such unique complicated characters and it's just amazing it's like um gossip girl but even Mm -hmm. better (laughs) oh my gosh yeah Yeah, lady whistledown with you know the gossip and all the excitement that she brings is very engaging i think that's what really brings even the whole ton together Mm -hmm. and all the characters within the show and it's very interesting to see the turn or the twist that they do in the second season where now we know who lady whistledown is so seeing her navigate how all of that works and then with her friends family it's very engaging to watch that but 
I'm curious to know, I know today we're going to talk a little bit more about Anthony and his background, but I'm wondering if we can give our listeners a little bit more background on to who Anthony is. Yeah, for sure. So Anthony is actually the eldest Bridgerton son. And a cool fact about the way the family is structured is that based on age, each sibling was named with the following the alphabet. I hope that makes sense. So <laughs> Anthony's the oldest, so that's A. And then Benedict is the second oldest, so his name starts with B, and then that continues for the rest of the siblings. So, like I said, Antony's the eldest Bridgerton's son. He's also the Viscount of the family, um, and that was succeeded upon him after his father passed away. Antony has taken full charge of the household, all his siblings and his mom. So he really is that, that leader and head of the family. And he had to step into these shoes when he was really young, actually, when he was 19 years old, because his father had passed away after having an allergic reaction to a bee sting. So that's something really important to keep in mind about that. And then, of course, he came of age and it was expected that he would eventually have to marry and settle down to continue the family's legacy. And that decision is really what starts off season two, where he announces that that's his intention for this upcoming marriage season and then goes about that journey and shares that with the rest of the ton. Yeah, it was very interesting to see a lot more details as towards Antony's background because we mm-hmm. weren't really given a lot of information as to who Antony was in season one. He almost came off as kind of an annoying character for me in the first oh, season. Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh my god, this Antony. And then when I heard about that he's going to be the main lead in season two, I was just like, I don't know how they're going to do it. It yeah. was all about the Duke and Daphne. <laughs> and now I'm just like, oh my gosh, how could I have missed this character in the first season? So there was a big shift in who the character was and how much we got to know him just between the two seasons that were out as well. Mm-hmm. I remember in the first season, he was very much like a player uh, mm-hmm. vibe, right? He was, um, or as they call it, a capital R rake. Yes. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> that's new terminology I learned. But yeah, he was very much uh, not into commitment. His duty to his family was key, which we still see trickling into season two. But here it was a shift where he's like, I'm ready to get married and I need to find my Viscountess and I need to start a family. And it was like, whoa, where was this Antony all of last season? <laughs> so yeah, I think that was kind of unique, right? He definitely, You definitely see that transition for him in his own life stages. And that kicks off this whole journey of him trying to find a partner and someone suitable for him to make his Viscountess. Yeah, and that journey is quite the roller coaster because there are so many twists and turns. And I'd just like to put it out there for those listening. We will be sharing a lot of details from the show. So spoiler alert ahead, we will be talking about everything that's happened up till season two. So if you haven't watched the show yet, we'd highly encourage you to watch it and then come back and listen to what we have to say about what goes on. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of details there, a lot that gets revealed. So you don't want to hear it from us first. You definitely want to watch it first. Yeah, so as we mentioned in our intro, we do want to cover a couple of different themes that we noticed in the show and that really intrigued us. The first theme that we want to talk about is toxic masculinity. And we see some elements of this in the first ball of the season that is hosted by Lady Danbury. And we see the the whole ton, they've attended this ball. And Antony takes a step out and he's talking to these other men. And they're talking about how they're relieved that they don't have to be under pressure to get married since Antony has now decided to go ahead and do that. So all the attention is on him. 
And the men start to describe this process of courtship, of marriage, and of relationships in a really like uncomfortable way, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Started off where I was like, oh my gosh, please don't, please don't be saying all of this, <laughs> right? Like I yeah. really, really didn't like it. So for example, one of them mentioned like simply pick the least objectionable woman and get her wed, bed, and bread. And I was just like, wow, okay. This really like sparked my my interest, but also made me really uncomfortable. So for sure, yeah. Any any thoughts about that one, Prabhner? I I know it definitely uh, took me a moment to like digest it. Yeah, it was definitely. I guess it wasn't unexpected from mm-hmm. what they were showing a lot of the men to be like in the show, just in the beginning at least. And we had we see Antony really following this as well. Like he was having yeah. this conversation with those other group of lords or higher individuals in that group, and just see how yeah he even shared that you know his woman or the woman he hopes to marry just must be of impeccable quality and someone who is tolerable, dutiful, has suitable enough hips for childbearing, and has at least half a brain to me that sounds very sad if that's all you're you know looking for there's no connection that you're striving to reach or a bit more details of just getting to know a person it's simply like i want this person that meets this checklist criteria and that's it we're just gonna have an amicable relationship and that's all it is it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. this thing that i'm doing his favorite line i think is like i'm doing it for duty or this is my duty that's what he was essentially doing like i just have to do this to do it (laughs) yeah but i don't really care for what a marriage can mean and i think we get to see a lot more of where that's coming from later on but it was a little it was a little interesting to see that perspective but then it was also i did appreciate how they showed that shift in antony's view on all of this stuff and even the toxic masculinity that we were introduced to in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely right. So it, it was expected, but also a little bit of an odd moment where we do get a chance to look into, oh, what are these men talking about and what sorts of conversations do they have? And I think for me, that definitely brought up this idea of toxic masculinity. And so we want to share a little bit of what that even means. So toxic masculinity involves these cultural pressures for men to behave in a certain way. So it affects all men and, and boys in, a, in some fashion because of society. And so it refers to this notion that some people's idea of manliness perpetuates these ideas of domination, homophobia, and aggression. So really, it's putting men into this box in terms of how they're supposed to act and feel and interact with the world. And they can be quite narrowly defined, right? So it's like men have to take on responsibility and not talk about their feelings and all these things that society often tends to ingrain in people. And it starts out really young. And we see some of that here, this idea that you're in charge, you get to pick the woman that you marry, right? That's first of all, like one thing, right? As if that that's up to you to do and just you. And that a woman has certain duties, but the man, the man also has certain duties and you don't really waver from those. So we see some elements of that starting very early on in the season. Yeah, and I also noticed it, this with one of the other Bridgerton siblings, Colin, is when some of his friends noticed that he was actually dancing with Penelope Featherington. And they ask him saying, oh, you're not courting her, are you? And then I think Colin makes a joke and Penelope happens to hear it. But this idea that it it, it was insinuated through what the character was doing in just a storyline, then maybe Colin liked Penelope or there was something more there. But then he had such an adverse response to some of his friends asking, 
oh, is that what you're doing when it seemed like, you know, they weren't necessarily in agreement of how Penelope was or seeing of her quality and her family background. So that also feeds back into like how there's that pressure to behave in a certain way that follows what the norm is of society. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. And we see that with a lot of the different characters, right? You have to to be composed be a particular way we see with Antony not sharing his feelings too much throughout the season uh, we see some glimpses where emotion does pour through but there's a lot of restraint and a lot of repression of like how you're really feeling and you know you start to wonder just about that time that era and then all these pressures that the men likely had to experience as they were growing up so it, it's quite quite an obvious theme here but also one that is so intriguing right like one that you really do want to dig into a little bit more and just see what makes these men behave in this particular way and then also something I noticed here which was with Antony especially this really strong desire to win and to be competitive and to kind of be in control at all times and so we noticed that when they were playing um Pal Mal I think it's called oh, yeah. that game yeah and then uh, when Kate takes his his mallet and he like has a little bit of a reaction to it and we see even that desire to court the diamond, right? So all of these very narrowly focused, very intense missions almost that he goes on and he has to win, he has to get his way. And if he doesn't, then there's this adverse reaction, right? So when Kate gets in the way, there's like this anger towards her, there's this frustration. So I wonder if that also is being fueled by some toxic masculinity. Firstly, like how can a woman defeat a man and be like a competitor, but also just generally not getting what you want and what that says about your manliness, your manlyhood, what it says about your ability to really just provide and be responsible. And in addition to some of those traits from toxic masculinity, we also see some of the features that Antony's exhibiting also fall within this expectation or responsibility that is bestowed upon him being the eldest child of the Bridgerton family. So this idea that he has certain duties, he has honor and his responsibility over his siblings. So this idea that he really is providing for his entire family after the passing of his father, he really had to step up and take charge as a viscount and follow all the expectations that go along with it i remember the scene right after when his father passed i think one of the individuals working at the home was like okay we're gonna move your mom's stuff you know your things of your mother's from her room because now that's your room you know those are your chambers and antony just being so thrown off guard by that at 19 years old simply not knowing how to even approach that so this intense pressure to take on such an intense responsibility that comes with leading a whole family at such a young age. Yeah, and quite a big family too, right? So it's like, it's a lot. I can't even imagine the the level of responsibility. And I think one moment that really, where that stood out for me is when the doctor asked Anthony to decide whether they should save the mom or the 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 child hyacinth that was to be born in that moment and he was like i can't like how am i supposed to make a decision like this choose between my mother especially at the age of 19 but at any age and so it just shows that intense degree of everything he's gone through at such a young age and 
continuing that and shaping who he is today. So he always talks about duty and honor and you'll hear that if you watch the the season. And so it's a huge thing and a huge aspect of who he is. And yeah, I think as an oldest sibling, I do get some elements of that, obviously not to that degree, but a little bit like, oh, you're the oldest one. You need to like make sure your family is headed in the right direction. You're continuing the family line, maybe not as relevant for us today, but something that Antony definitely talks about. And we actually see that with the Duke as well in season one. So um, this idea of family legacy. And so yeah, quite intense. I would just say pressure. That's how we can really summarize yeah. that one is the pressure yeah absolutely and also this pressure that's he that he has created in terms of a timeline mm -hmm. i know he always flips open his like watch and is looking at it almost saying that you know like everything he has planned and everything has to be a certain way and he's just following everything by that clock that was actually his father's watch so really this yeah intense pressure really no other way to say it that he's placed as taking on the responsibility of all his siblings making sure they're well off they're married and they have everything they need where we see it is when benedict gets into that art academy that he really wants and later finds out that it was actually antony that provided a large donation which supported his admission Sometimes we see how Antony might come off as harsh or a bit more cold, but really he cares for his siblings more than anything. The fact that he noticed Benedict was interested in art and he tried to make sure that he could, you know, reach for that goal or do whatever he wanted to shows that he really is trying his best to manage those expectations with whatever he knows how to do. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So however he knows best, especially having done this for such a long time and at such a young age. And I think one conversation that really brought to light Antony's role compared to all the other siblings is the one the night before the wedding where all the guys are drinking and playing pool, I think. And Antony talks about you guys will never know because you're not the oldest sibling what it's like to have this pressure of your your entire life being planned out for you. You can go ahead and follow your passions, right? Talking to Benedict about that. But I have to, you know, continue on in this particular route and not really waver from it. I have to do things the way that they were set out for me. And so I think I think he even mentions like I've made this so much easier for all of you to be able to do that. And and that sacrifice really that he has gone through for much of his life. Yeah. And, you know, I'm quite conflicted with that because I remember during that wedding that was supposed to happen, but didn't. There's this one scene where Daphne comes in and is trying to talk to Antony. And at one one line that she uses, which I thought was so powerful, she's like, you know, I mourn for you, brother. And then talking about how she says, we don't actually respect you or something along the lines. Rather, we, we pity you. Mm -hmm. And it was really hurtful to hear that. But also I can see where the, you know, those siblings might be coming from in terms of how rigid Antony is with what he's expecting and how he has shut off from his family thinking that, you know, he has these duties and responsibilities, which no doubt he does. But I think in the journey of trying to fulfill his role as a Viscount, he has unfortunately lost that connection to his family so honestly I, I do understand both perspectives but it's it's just it's hard to see that knowing how much he does care but sometimes it just doesn't come off in the manner that he hopes yeah and I think that's what made me especially happy when he got what he wanted at the end yeah right? it's like that moment where we're like we know how difficult things have been for you we know how much you've struggled and fought with yourself and and others around you and finally you're happy and you're like 
sleeping in, for example, and just like <laughs> living your life in a little more chill manner. I was so happy to see that at the end. So I think a huge theme now that we we definitely wanted to talk about, which relates to both toxic masculinity elements, as well as this idea of being the oldest sibling and responsibility, is also this trauma that Antony has gone through. We mentioned in our summary of Antony and the show that Antony's father passed away when he was 19. And actually that happened while Antony was with him. He, he died in his arms, literally. And Antony was there at that moment when it happened. And so he observed it. He, you know, went through that process. He was there while his mother was grieving the father's death as well. So that was a huge insight, I think, for a lot of the audience members too, to understand, okay, like things are starting to get pieced together, starting to understand where some of his rules, some of his hesitations are coming from. And so maybe we can dig a little bit deeper into that that trauma and how that really manifests for Antony throughout the show. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first part, not only experiencing any kind of a loss at such a young age or at any age really can be traumatic in itself. But I think the fact that Antony idolized his father in such a manner, he really viewed him as invincible. So to see him pass away through a simple, you know, bee sting was quite unfathomable for him so it it seemed very unexpected and it was definitely a big shock but i think not only experiencing that death but also the aftermath of it his mother really did shut down and we do get to experience a bit more about what that looked like from her perspective and when they talk about it afterwards during that kate incident when she had a little health scare we see how how much that impacted antony how he really tried to connect with his mother and he was like I, I i need your support he was really reaching out and his mom just was so grief stricken that she just couldn't and i think that that also played such an instrumental role as to how he shaped his views following that mm-hmm. yeah not only shaped his views about his role in the family right so taking on that role of being the leader being the head but also his idea of relationships and marriage and I think something that really came out of this experience was this idea that love equals loss which equals pain and really thinking of love as a burden right so so seeing that impact on his mom and how for her his mom his his dad was everything right it it was her entire life and she actually wished that she could pass away while giving birth to hyacinth rather than live a life without her her husband. And so I think Antony having to see his mom so vulnerable and in so much pain really brought this idea that I don't want to be the cause of that pain to anyone. And so that avoidance, that withdrawal, pushing others away and not being openly vulnerable and in line with your feelings and in touch with any emotions was almost a defense mechanism for him, I would say, throughout the show and all that we see with his relationship. So I think it was really painful actually to see some of those flashbacks where the mom is going through all of her her whole process of grief and and how Antony, even as a child, is trying to reach out, trying to get some support and not able to get it. Yeah, absolutely. And there are two pieces of that that stood out to me. One where I think he's again talking to Daphne or one of the siblings where he mentions or where she mentions, I believe it is Daphne, that, you know, we saw a shift in you brother that day that simply you simply changed you stopped smiling you didn't even cry with the passing of their father and that is true you did see this 
big shift because he went from this, you know, kid that was really excited with life and, you know, just trying to learn from his father, suddenly to stepping into these big shoes. And then in addition to that, formulating this new rule for himself that I cannot fall in love. I cannot lead that kind of a life because I don't want to be that cause of pain and grief to someone else. He really used that to shape all the actions he did, you know, coming from there. Even this idea where when he when we see that connection forming with him and Kate and someone points out to him that, hey, it sounds like, you know, you're actually falling in love with Kate, that really oh, like puts up flags for him. And he's like, okay, if that's what this is, this cannot continue further. I refuse to be in like a loving relationship, so to say, with a partner. Because again, it goes back to that relationship that he saw with his parents. And we even notice that in the in the wedding scene where Edwina asks him, like, do you love me? And he's just, I mean, one, he didn't. But two, even if he did, I don't think he would carry through with that wedding but because he refused to love his partner. He just wanted so, so really like a partnership to just carry on the duties that he had to do. Exactly, right? So someone there to, he, I think he said, support each other through life during the hard times, but but not share any sort of deeper connection to that. Mm-hmm. So I think really it takes his the conversation with his mom and then actually falling in love with Kate to discover that there's two sides to love, right? He's seen this really painful, ugly side of it, but there's also this side where you can be vulnerable and you can share something even stronger with someone. And so I'm glad he managed to, you know, really uncover that and, and discover that. But something that this brings to mind as well is, of course, Pramnur and I as students are not able to diagnose uh, anyone. But some of the, the things that we see with Antony and some of the manifestation of how he deals with the trauma reminded me a little bit of like PTSD symptoms that we talk about. And really, we look at these four areas, uh, the first one being intrusive memories. Then we have avoidance negative changes in thinking and mood, and then lastly, physical and emotional reactions. So we actually do notice quite a few different ways of Antony reacting or or even symptoms of that traumatic event that he experienced that fall into these categories. So I was thinking maybe we can dive into that a little bit more because I think it's so interesting to see the overlap between those. Absolutely. So the first one that you mentioned was, you know, looking at intrusive memories. So we noticed these are reoccurrent or unwanted distressing memories of the traumatic event that a person has experienced and they can cause severe emotional distress or even physical reactions to something that reminds that person of that traumatic event. So really what we see within Antony for these intrusive memories is this idea that he's reliving that traumatic event as if it were happening again through those flashbacks Mm -hmm. whether it's those upsetting dreams or nightmares about that night or what happened we do get glimpses of these intrusive memories within the show and how Antony's responding to them yeah and then I think the the really big event for me that stands out is when Kate gets stung by the bee right and the way that he reacts to it right and so that links to of course this this is an event that's so highly linked to what happened in the past for him and his dad And he starts to like hyperventilate. He starts to breathe really fast. And Kate notices, right? He's he's having what looks like a panic attack from our end. And just that severe emotional distress, the physical reaction. And then she manages to calm him down. But even noticing that manifestation, right? So the way he reacts to it and all that that 
probably brought up for him as well, linking so closely to what his father went through and continuously even asking her, are you well? Are you okay? Like, are you feeling okay? And checking in that way too. Yeah, absolutely. And then even afterwards, they share this really, you know, nice moment following the event where Edwina's like, oh, you know, Kate got stung by a bee. And then Antony says, oh, okay, okay. And then when she's like, I'm okay, you see that slight shift in his, just his reaction or response. But, you know, we see a little bit of relief that, oh, okay, things are okay. Because that's exactly how he lost his father. It was just a bee sting and everything was fine until it wasn't. So to have that exact experience again with that fear and we notice that he hasn't really processed many of these emotions because the other big theme is avoidance. And he has done a lot of avoidance towards the event or talking about the event or even thinking about what happened. So this idea that when we're talking about his father or events related to the death of the father, he has avoided those big time. And I'm wondering if there are any points that stood out for you with seeing Antony and his avoidance in this area. Yeah, I think the big one, we of course think of physical avoidance, right? So avoiding places that remind you of trauma. And we see that when they're playing Pall Mall and the ball heads over to Antony's father's grave that's in uh, part of the, the land of Aubrey Hall. And we see him really freeze and, and Kate noticing like, don't you want to go get your ball? Like you're this competitive person. What's going on? Right. And he he just turns away and, you know, completely avoids that that area of the, the home. And so I think I think that one was quite an obvious one. But something else that stood out to me was this conversation between Antony and his youngest brother. Don't remember his Gregory. Name. OK, there we go. Gregory. And how he talks about how little they've talked about the father in the family, how little they've described him, and how little the youngest siblings even know about the father. There's been very little insight from Antony and also the mom in terms of, like, this is someone that was part of the family and someone that a lot of you didn't get a chance to know. And so we also see avoidance in that way. And Antony finally owning up to, I haven't given anyone a chance to talk about this or given myself a chance to talk about this area. So we see avoidance definitely in, in those two areas. Absolutely. And then the other theme within some of these PTSD symptoms includes negative changes in thinking and mood. So really we see these negative changes in thinking affect different kinds of relationships and also have an impact on your ability to even experience positive emotions. So within Antony, we notice how he has this sense of detachment from his family and friends. It's very stoic in his approach. And again, it follows those duties and responsibilities that he has. And similarly, he's often not showing a lot of emotional or expressive feelings. It often is very again, you know, to the point, whatever is going on, not necessarily experiencing those really happy moments that we see with some of the other siblings as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we start to notice a shift in Antony where that was the case in the whole first season and the first half of the second season. And slowly we start to notice him getting closer to his family, showing some of that affection. And I think the moment that really stands out to me, and it's such a heartwarming moment, is when no one shows up to the ball that's hosted by the Sharmas and, and the Bridgertons. And so Antony calls all his siblings and they form a circle and they all dance together. And I think that's one of the first times I saw him truly laugh and smile and be in the moment rather than on his timeline and schedule. And so 
we do start to see like those positive emotions starting to come up for him as he's having more conversations about the trauma as he's facing a little bit more of those experiences so I think that's such a beautiful moment and makes me want to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I think it was so it was so lovely seeing how he's like Hyacinth, Gregory, come down here and the 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 light that you saw on both of their faces. They were so excited and they came together as a family and everyone was dancing and just having such a nice time and I think this was such a beautiful moment to see that shift and I think honestly throughout the series we were noticing the little breaking downs of Antony's walls that he built up and opening up a bit more vulnerability to the people around him, especially to Kate and his family, where as the season progressed, we saw more and more of who he is as an individual and we saw these shifts within even some of the experiences. And the last symptom that we noticed specifically was his physical and emotional reaction. So this really entails overwhelming feelings of guilt, or shame, where people might indulge in self-destructive behavior such as drinking too much or driving too fast or even risky sexual behaviors. And this is something that we do see within Antony, especially in the beginning, where he is having these overwhelming feelings, but also engaging in some of those risky behaviors such as drinking and going out, really following up with the idea of him being a rake as they describe it. Mm-hmm. And using those as defense mechanisms too, right? So with the drinking, it, it brings a sense of numbness and not having to be in reality as much. And then that huge shift, right? Where I I definitely saw him drinking less <laughs> in the second season. It was quite rare until the night before his wedding, which again, there was a lot going on there. But even this like sense of guilt and shame that comes up for him when he's talking to his siblings about his father, when he's talking to his mom. So definitely covers a lot of elements of those PTSD uh, aspects and symptoms that we see. And I think it's so interesting to see also the connection between Kate and Antony and how even Kate herself lost her father quite young and how that shaped her life. And then eventually brought the two of them closer together because they had such similar roles in their own families. Yeah, I really like to think of Kate as the female version of Antony. They had similar backgrounds in terms of their storylines and the loss of their father and the fact that they both had to step up into these responsibility shoes, so to say, and how they are really looking out for their younger siblings. And I think it was a really interesting connection that they did form because they were resisting it so much. And I think that really brought them closer. And we see such similarities and connection between the two characters that it was really nice to see how much he opened up with his further connection with Kate. And we saw the more that they connected, the more that we noticed Antony's character develop really and learn more about who he is and open up to his family and loved ones a lot more as well Mm -hmm. yeah I think we slowly start to see these walls that were built up starting to break down the both of them together and even with Kate right not wanting to get into a relationship not wanting to be the one who who gets married until everyone else is taken care of I think it was just so interesting how much they pushed away love and relationships and that's exactly what they ended up finding which is the beauty of of course fiction um yeah (laughs) but yeah I think it you know just such an interesting parallel between those two characters and their own family history their own family dynamics as well and how Kate takes on this responsibility for Edwina and we see that's her her primary goal throughout the whole season 
And of course, then Antony comes along and derails that a little bit. But yeah, even until the end, she was looking out for her sister, wanting to do what's best for her. And then Antony's the same, right? He's trying to do what's best for his siblings, even when sometimes doesn't always work out in the way that he wants it to, like with Benedict, for example. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think ultimately I love the progression of the entire season where we did get to see this rigid and strict version of Antony in the very beginning with his expectations and rules and assumptions that he had for how he expected to lead a life, how that modified and changed as he got to know Kate more and as he opened up and we got to see more of the Bridgertons experiences and storylines of the individual siblings as well we got a lot more details this season from all the different characters and I think all of these things made not only the season a lot more exciting but we got to see how Antony connected with a lot of them and how he did like he said Navia break down those walls and ultimately by the end of it we see this you know picture perfect happy ending but we do get to see that openness of Antony and I'm so excited to see what the next season looks like for the two mm-hmm. of them and also the upcoming siblings because now it's going to be a new sibling and a new storyline for their love life. Yeah, and I feel the same way as I felt at the end of season one where I was like, I'm not ready to let go of the Duke and Daphne. Like, they're all I care about right now. I don't yeah. want to let them go. And now that's how I feel about Antony. I'm like, no. I, but thankfully, we'll get to see them involved and interacting with the other siblings. So it's okay. I will learn to, to let go a little bit and move on to the next sibling. But yeah, I think it was just such a rich season with all those themes we talked about and such a such a great depiction of how trauma can impact someone's life in a way that of course as a show right is not uh, is fiction and entertaining but there are some really important takeaways from it too yeah absolutely and I think the piece where we got to see him process at his own rate and we also got to see little glimpses of how he was sharing some of that pain and sharing some of those experiences with his family like the one that you mentioned Navia about him talking to Gregory about his father that's a little glimpse of him processing the trauma and processing those experiences because he's sharing it with someone and getting to work through whatever it is that he was experiencing at that time but I think the second season was phenomenal I am so pumped for the next one we had so much fun looking through Antony's storyline for the second season of Bridgerton we'd love to hear your thoughts and your experiences and opinions on the second season Antony or any of the other characters from the Bridgerton series just as we end we wanted to remind you that this information is meant to be purely educational we are not health professionals just graduate students navigating these topics with you So any podcast content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. So we recommend that you always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions regarding your mental health and well-being. We also wanted to share some resources with you for extra mental health support that might be relevant to you and your local community. This includes Good to Talk, Kids Help Phone, Connects Ontario, Wellness Together Canada, Virtue Mental, and your own local hospitals or community centers for mental health services. We also encourage you to look at your own local resources and seek out support from those if you need that additional help. As always, you can connect with us through our email, which is so tell me more podcast at gmail.com and our Instagram page at so tell me more podcast. 
Check out our Instagram for future updates. And it's also a great way to share what you're interested in hearing on the podcast, any feedback that you might have, or any thoughts that you have about our episodes in general. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast listening app. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you learned something new or simply enjoyed our exploration of themes in Bridgerton. We're excited to continue exploring new topics in future episodes, but for now, stay safe and take care.